I invite first the children can be dismissed to junior church and invite you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be wrapping up Philippians in just over a month now. Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to be starting today at verse 17 here in a couple moments and talking about the call to follow Paul's example of commitment to Jesus as Lord. And the idea is that we don't follow Paul, we follow Christ. And Paul's focus was follow him as he follows Christ. Follow Christ. Paul is actually pointing to Jesus. And we're getting, going to get into that here just momentarily. One day there was a man talking to an angel, and the angel said, What can I do for you? The man said, Show me the Wall Street Journal one year from today. Show me the Wall Street Journal one year from today. This way I will know where to invest, and I'll become a multimillionaire. The angel snapped his fingers, and out came a Wall Street Journal marked one year in advance of the date when they were talking. The man flipped the pages of the newspaper, studying the listings and observing which stocks would be high and which ones would be low. But in the midst of this, in the midst of his joy, a frown came upon his face and tears began to roll down his eyes because when he looked over on the next page, he saw his face. His picture was in the paper under the obituary column. You see, this life can only offer you so much. Unless you live now in light of eternity, you're going to waste time focusing on the things of this earth. Enjoy your life. But as a Christian, enjoy focused on the thing, enjoy staying focused on the things of God. Also, it's a reminder that for a true believer in Christ, even if they're accumulating wealth on this earth and God calls them home, but they know Jesus, they're not missing out on anything. The Christian, when God calls us from this world into heaven, we're not missing out on anything. It's only gain. It's only gain. So we come to a passage in Philippians encouraging us to follow Christ with an eternal perspective. Follow Christ with an eternal perspective. We are citizens of heaven. So we're going to look at a call to follow Paul's example of commitment to Jesus as Lord. And if you remember the context in Philippians chapter 1, uh, Paul talked about greeting them. He greeted them with great joy. And then Paul also talked about his own situation and their situation. That some of them have been suffering. Some of them have been persecuted. And then also Paul himself references that he's in prison, but he basically says, uh, don't weep for me. Don't feel bad for me. I've been a witness to the, to the, to the whole guard. The whole Praetorian guard, Caesar's guards. And then later on, he talks about how he, he has a yearning for heaven. He has a yearning for heaven. He has a desire to go to be with his Lord and Savior in heaven. He has a yearning for heaven. But he also realizes he wants to stay with them. He wants to stay and serve them. Heaven is far better for him. But staying and ministering is important for them. As we looked at Philippians chapter 2, we saw uh, the idea of serving, thinking of others first, setting aside your own desires and wants for others. We saw examples, the ultimate example, Jesus, and we saw the Christ him. And then we saw the example of Epaphroditus as well as Timothy, who served. 
and served them. And then we looked at Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, and we talked about rejoicing in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord. And then we looked at the following verses after that in Philippians chapter 3. There were this group of people, and we think they're probably a group called the Judaizers, who thought they had to keep the whole Jewish law. They thought they had to keep the whole Jewish law to get righteousness. They thought they could get all their righteousness by keeping the law. And Paul said if anybody thought they could keep, get righteousness by keeping the law, he could more so. And Paul went through his kind of Jewish pedigree. And then Paul used actually a very vulgar term, uh, which we translate dung or excrement, depending on our translation. But it's actually a little bit worse to say, I count it all as loss for the, for the sake of knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus is better. He couldn't get his righteousness by keeping the Jewish law. It's all about Jesus, all about Jesus, all about Jesus. And last week, Paul wrote about progress in the gospel through Christ and not through the law. Progressing, coming closer to Jesus through Christ, not by keeping the law. And so now we look at following Paul's example as he follows the example of Christ. Following his example as he follows the example of Christ. Look at verse 17 if you're there. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So notice that he addresses them as brothers, and, and that could be translated brothers and sisters. So our sisters, ladies, you're included here, brothers and sisters. And, and this is just good familiar language. He's, he's talking to them in a loving way. Join in imitating me. But why? You know, that can sound arrogant, can't it? It can sound arrogant. But remember, in verse 12 of this same chapter, he had written that he has not arrived yet. He pressed on. He was pressing on. He's pressing on towards the goal of the high calling of knowing Jesus. He was pressing on. So when he says, enjoying and imitating me, he, he's saying, let's press on together. Let's fight the good fight together. Let's run this race together. Most of you know that I've ran an insane amount of miles sometimes. Others would say they only run if somebody's chasing them. Well, I run for fun. And uh, last week, I ran the Akron Marathon, first marathon since 2015. And I tell you this for a purpose. I don't mean to brag or anything. Because, you know, it's not really a bragging privilege for paying money to run a marathon. That's not really, you know, people are holding up signs that said, remember, you paid to do this, you know. Um, it's not a bragging privilege. But one thing neat is the sportsmanship. One thing's neat is when you're running together, people cheer each other on. You're cheering each other on. And people are saying, keep going, you know, keep going. You know, that, and, and that's what Paul is doing right here. Let's do this together. Let's link arms. Let's run the Christian life together. Paul had said in the previous verses, I haven't arrived yet. And if Paul hadn't arrived, nobody had arrived. He already shared his Jewish pedigree. He already shared about everything he had in Judaism. And he says, he hasn't arrived. And now he's saying, join me. Join me. Let's do this together. Let's, let's grow closer to Christ together. And God had inspired him, and this is passed on to us so that today, right here, right now, we can also join Paul and join the apostles and join those saints of the first century and join all those brothers and sisters in Christ around the world in fighting the good fight and running the race and walking. I should use the term walking. Walking the Christian walk. Walking the Christian life. Paul is striving for holiness. He's striving for Jesus. He's striving to be conformed to Christ's image. He wrote that in the previous verses in verses 10 through 12. Paul is pressing on in his relationship with Christ. Paul wanted to be like Christ in his suffering and death. Isn't that amazing? In the previous verses, he said he wanted to be like Christ even in his suffering and death. 
We try to avoid suffering at all costs. And to some degree, that's okay. To some degree. Most of the world doesn't understand that. Just got a book, I'm about 40, 50 pages in, called Misreading the Scriptures Through Western Eyes. We you know, always have to try our best to look at the scriptures and, and divorce ourselves, separate ourselves from our own culture to some degree, at least to some degree, because it'll cloud our reading of the text oftentimes. Most of the world knows a lot more suffering than we can even understand. Tim Keller wrote a book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, and in the very beginning, he had contrasted different worldviews of suffering. Americans don't really have a worldview of suffering besides avoidance. You've heard me say that. Paul talked about even wanting to suffer for Christ. He wanted, because Jesus suffered for us, right? I mean, Jesus, Jesus was not a martyr. The apostles are martyred, were martyred. There is martyrs today. Jesus was not a martyr because he willingly went to the cross of his own free will. But Christians suffer all over the world. And Paul thought, it seems like he thought, since Jesus suffered so much, it's only fair that I suffer too. He wanted to be conformed to Christ so much, even in his suffering. Do you realize that when we go through pain and suffering, we are being conformed to Christ? You've heard me share this a couple weeks ago. I'm gonna keep on sharing it because I strongly believe it is biblical. When we go through suffering, look at Romans 5. When we go through suffering, when we go through hardship, Jesus is conforming us. He's conforming us to his image. When we try to avoid it, sometimes we're limiting his work in us. It doesn't mean we should seek it. We shouldn't seek suffering. I'm not saying go walk through fire. I'm not saying do that. Don't do something stupid, you know? Don't, don't do that. But when suffering comes our way and it's unavoidable, remember Jesus is growing us. He's making us more like him. And Paul wanted to be conformed to Jesus so much, even, even in his suffering and death. He is imitating Christ. And guess what? We are to imitate him as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse one, Paul wrote to imitate him as he imitates Christ. And that is the idea right here. Imitate Paul's example as he imitates Christ. He's following Jesus and he's saying, let's do this together. Let's run together. Let me be your example. Let me be your pace setter, so to speak. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. The goal is focusing on Jesus. By the way, just in case you don't know, that clock is broken today, so I got all the time in the world right now. It, it hasn't moved since the worship team was practicing, I don't think. Even though it's an atomic clock, I think God just made the day stand still. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. The goal is to focus on Jesus. And that's our goal as well. Link arms and focus on Jesus. By the way, this is all extra credit. I didn't plan on saying it today. But we are the body of Christ. And we do the same thing. We link arms. We cheer each other on. We help each other out. We endure this Christian life together. We can't do it alone. We need each other. We need each other as we walk by the Holy Spirit in us, guided by the word of God, with the people of God, following Jesus. Paul continues to write, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And who is the us? Who is the us? Paul uses that term us. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. That's verse 17. Who is the us? Well, it'd be clear that one is Paul, right? But Paul was not an us. He's an educated man. He knew plural versus singular. He knew. It seems like it's Timothy and Epaphroditus. He's already referenced Timothy He's already referenced Epaphroditus. We follow their example. Do you know, this is really interesting, 
that our brains literally change based off of those you're around. And we've discovered that probably in the last 40, 50 years. So maybe you knew that there was psychological proof for that when you were raising your kids, but when your parents and grandparents were raising their kids, they probably said, watch out who you hang around with, you're gonna become like them. And they didn't know, that's psychologically proven now. Our brains literally change based off of who we are around. So if we're around good examples and we're being built up by good example, if we're following Timothy's example and Epaphroditus and the apostle Paul in this context, if we look to others, the example of others who are in Christ running the Christian life, walking the Christian way and are following their example, we will be built up by good examples. And we all need that. We all need that. Paul was concerned about people who thought they needed to follow the law and either righteousness from the Old Testament law. Paul wanted to make sure they followed the correct examples, the good example, and not people who were teaching incorrect doctrine. And we'll see that in the next few verses. Look at verses 18 and 19. Because in verses 18 through 19, he says, others are enemies of the cross of Christ. Look at it. He says, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears. Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So now Paul explains more of his concern. Follow Paul as he follows Christ. Follow Timothy and Epaphroditus and the us as they follow Christ. Don't follow these other examples. Many are enemies to the cross of Christ. He writes that, that he has told them about these enemies and he has told them with tears. He has told them, he says, often. He's told them often about these enemies of the cross of Christ. How does one become an enemy of the cross of Christ? How does one become an enemy of the cross of Christ? Well, denying Christ would be one, but the first example here is context. That's true. If you deny Christ, you're becoming an enemy of the cross of Christ. But I think right here, we have to remember the three most important words in Bible study. Context, context, context. Context, context, context. And if you look at the context, I've already alluded to it. I've already specified it. In verses three, uh, 2 through 11 of this passage, Paul talked about people who thought they could earn their righteousness, earn their good status with God by keeping the whole Old Testament law. That made them an enemy of the cross of Christ. Because guess what? If you could keep it all, if you could just earn your righteousness, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. You could earn it anyways. You could earn it. Then Jesus was just going as a moral example, but he didn't just go as a moral example. Jesus did, did definitely set an example, but he went to, he went to the cross because you and I, we couldn't earn our salvation. He went to the cross to do what we could not do. He lived a life we could not live, a perfect, obedient, sinless life, fully God and fully man, and died the death that we could not die, going to the cross for us, taking the wrath of God in our place, and he rose again. And these people were denying that that was necessary. They thought you could just keep the Jewish law and you could, main, you could earn your righteousness. Further, that's bad doctrine. If we're teaching heresy and incorrect doctrine, that's really, really destructive. The Bible has some strong words for people that teach bad, incorrect, misleading doctrine. And then you're an enemy of the cross of Christ. And unfortunately, that stuff still happens today. Teaching and promoting false teaching makes us enemies of the cross of Christ. In verse 19, Paul builds on this. Paul says, their end is destruction. For people who do not know Christ, their end is destruction. 
That is why we must share the gospel. Further, people who are teachers will be judged by a stricter standard. As I mentioned, turn to James 3, 1 later on, not right now. <laughs> you can now, I'll just tell you. It says, those who are teachers will be judged by a stricter standard. That's a Steve Rhodes translation. It's not patented or anything. Uh, those who are teachers will be judged by a stricter standard. People teaching false doctrine will even have a more severe judgment. Later, you can look at Matthew chapter 18, verse six about that. By the way, I've written this out before. I strongly believe it. It's bad doctrine that hurts the church more than anything else. We focus on all the peripheral issues, music and music matters and, and methods and all that stuff, but it all stems from doctrinal issues. And doctrine is codified, canonized, authoritative teaching from the scriptures. Paul says their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Why would it be set on earthly things? Because they're doing all these physical things, trying to keep the law, by the way, which no one could keep. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus pretty much says it. Jesus says, you have to be a little better than the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter five, you could look it up later. You have to be a little bit better than the Pharisees to get into heaven. What's interesting is the Pharisees kept the law to a T. Nobody kept the law like the Pharisees. They kept the law, they kept, the, they kept even the traditions, but Jesus focused on the heart. Even their hearts were off. Paul right here gives a succinct description of the lost person. They're a slave to their appetites, whether they're belly or otherwise. And then in verses 20 through 21, he pivots. Our, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Isn't that awesome? Sometimes we're so busy trying to live the life of sin management that we forget the ultimate focus is eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. Pray that we desire Jesus. Pray that we love Jesus. Pray that we want to stay committed to Jesus. And then pray that the Lord shows us anything that's contrary to that way. Sin is an abomination to Jesus. Sin is high treason against God's kingdom. Sin is high treason against God's, God Almighty. If we love Jesus and we're desiring Jesus and we're focused on him, hopefully our perspective of sin starts to change. Look at verses 20 through 21. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Jesus is subjecting all things to himself. Jesus has all power and all authority. There's no competition. As Martin Luther, the reformer said, even the devil is God's devil. You know, there's no competition. Jesus has all power and Jesus is gonna transform our lowly body. It says lowly body to be like his glorious body. And our citizenship is in heaven even right now. It's a spiritual way. Later on, it's gonna be that physical reality to be with him in physical presence. And right now, Paul is contrasting those of the world with Christians. Those of the world, they're just focused on worldly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. Oftentimes we get angry just because of those of the world. Too many Christians are angry. And our anger is because we have unrealistic expectations. Expect the world to be the way the world is and understand the hope of the world is Jesus. The hope of the world is Jesus. 
Thank you, Cass. I like that interaction. This is great. Um, The hope of the world is Jesus. It's not a presidential candidate. It's not a politician. It's not an actor. It's not a football player. It's not a baseball player. It's not a businessman. It's not a custodian. It is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And Paul told us, you could look up 2 Timothy 3 later. You can look up other other passages. What to expect the world to be. We need Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. We as Christians are citizens of heaven. We are adopted into God's family. We're awaiting Jesus' return. Jesus will transform our bodies to be like his glorious body. Jesus will do this by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Jesus has the power. Let's make some applications. Are we following good examples? Who do we want to emulate in the Christian life? Is it a, somebody who's really, you know, obviously the ultimate answer is Jesus, but there's no, there's no problem reading certain Christian writers or authors or watching others, listening to others and think that's, that's a guy, a guy at our church or a woman at our church who, man, they live the Christian life so well. They, they're so gentle and loving, yet, yet full of truth. They're never compromising truth. They're full of grace and full of truth. That's John chapter one, verse 14, by the way, that Jesus came full of grace and full of truth, and so should we. And we wanna emulate them. There's nothing wrong with, with seeing certain people in our life and we think, that's a great example. Do we have good examples we wanna follow? Paul was concerned that we follow his example and follow the examples of those who are teaching similarly. Are we being careful of who is influencing us? Are we possibly an enemy of the cross of Christ? Are we possibly teaching and leading people astray? I hope not, but it's something to always reflect. Are we staying faithful to proper Christian teaching? Are we thinking that we can earn our righteousness? Are we straining forward in the gospel? Are we recognizing we only get the righteous status we need by being in Christ? You can't earn it. I want you here every Sunday. I really do. I want you at Bible study and all these other things. I want you to spend time in the Bible every single day. I want you to email me Bible questions or text or call. I love that stuff. But you know what? No matter how much you do that, you're not earning your salvation. You're just doing that to grow closer to Christ. You're doing that for his help. You're doing that to spend time with God, not to earn your righteousness. You know, I, I, I heard somebody say this and it's totally true. It's totally biblical. I love it. You know, the Christian life is a totally free gift. It will cost you nothing to be saved, but then it'll cost you your life serving the great King, the Lord Jesus. Jesus calls us after we're saved to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. It's not earning our salvation. We do that because we have a new Lord, the Lord Jesus. And then our life testifies to who we're committed to. So we're scoring touchdowns for Jesus and not getting an interception and running the wrong way. That happened once. Um, Paul told them with tears of the enemies of the cross of Christ, are we warning people of those who go wayward of the gospel? Does it bother us when people go wayward? I'm not talking about people who don't know Christ. Their biggest need is to know Christ. I expect somebody who doesn't know Jesus to have a worldly vision. I expect somebody who does not know Jesus and maybe even a very immature believer to promote and pursue all these very, very secular non-Christian agendas. They don't know Christ. They need to know Jesus. And then Jesus cleans up their life and changes their worldview. But does it bother us when committed Christ go wayward? Jesus says, he, uh, Paul says he told them with tears. Paul warned them with tears. Are we encouraged by our citizenship is in heaven? Are we encouraged by that that our citizenship is in heaven? 
Is that awesome? That we know Jesus and our citizenship is in heaven. Isn't that awesome? Do we know that Jesus will subject all things to himself? You know, the, re- the reflection from the sun is supposed to let us see the brilliance of the moon, which has no light of its own. The moon is dark 24-7. The sun reflects off of the moon so that the beautiful moon is actually the result of the work of the sun. Now, on some days, we can see a full moon. On other days, we can see a half moon. On yet another day, only a quarter of the moon is visible. And then at times, we can't see the moon at all. How come we don't always get the full moon? Because whenever there is less than a full moon, it means the earth is in the way. The earth is in the way. The earth has gotten between a portion of the moon and the sun. The moon's reflection is interrupted as earth moves in its orbit. Earth simply keeps getting in the way. Many of us are not able to move forward in our lives because earth keeps getting in the way. We are so focused on time and so, focus, so foggy about eternity that the benefits of eternity are not able to penetrate the realities of time. And we're stuck with what we see. Are we letting earth get in the way of our focus on Jesus? We're gonna do something different. We did it last week, we're gonna do it again. We're gonna have a song titled, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. And it's just gonna be played uh, for a moment. And during that song, I invite you to pray about and seek the Lord about some of these reflecting questions or maybe something else the Lord has laid on your heart. Maybe you need to repent of something. Maybe you just need to ask the Lord for some help. Maybe you need God's comfort or encouragement. And during this time, you can come to the altars and we'd be glad to come forward and pray with you as well. And that'll just be for two or three minutes or something. And then we're gonna sing All Fly Away as a closing hymn. Let me pray first. Lord Jesus, I pray that you guide us all, letting your word sink deep within us, letting your word be convictional in our life. Help us, Lord God, to strive after you, to stay committed to you as we walk, as we walk the Christian life. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I invite Billy to go ahead and start that song.